Hi there, and welcome to this new chat discussion where we have Derek, who's an influencer and editor of global tech publication Diginomica, talking to Georgie Ferrer, ServiceNow's GM and VP of UK and Ireland, and Paul Hardy from our innovation team. Over to you, Derek. Thanks very much, Becky. Hi, Geordie. Hi, Paul. Um, I know we're here today to talk about the workflow revolution, but I thought it would be important to start by just taking stock of the last year and the impact of COVID-19 and the pandemic on businesses everywhere, really. It feels like to me in the conversations that I've been having with customers that this is a real defining moment in terms of them setting new strategies and figuring out where things perhaps haven't been working in the past for them, perhaps where they've been going too slow and they need to reassess and make changes going forward. Um, I know you both speak with customers regularly, so I thought it would be good to hear from you. What are you hearing on the ground? Are the sort of key priorities from customers at the moment as they look to the future and the changes that they need to make. Paul, shall we start with you? So it's been an interesting year, as you say. Um, had many conversations. Um, arguably, we've probably been busier than ever um, because, of course, we haven't had to travel to meetings. Um, but I think the kind of the common threads and the common themes that I'm hearing is that this is really, you know, once in a generation opportunity for us to leverage, to some degree, the kind of the currency that the IT's built over the last you know, 12 months with deploying some amazing things in a super short amount of time. Um, but for me, this is really around how holistically businesses can really kind of start improving their, um, their business outcomes. This is really what they're trying to do. Um, and, and actually, from, from a broader perspective, there's kind of three key areas that the organizations that I've been speaking to um, are really focusing on. First one is around um, protecting the business, but at the same time, you need to grow the business. Um, and that's fundamental to making sure that that business you know, exists and, and continues. Um, the second one is around cost reduction or, or, or you know, driving out cost, um, which, of course, is, is super important at a time um, of you know, this COVID economy. And then the last one, which, which I really, really like, is kind of this move from managing risk to prioritizing risk. So all of those things together are really kind of at the heart of every business at the moment and making sure that they connect both the technology and the services that they provide with, importantly, the people aspect. So lots been happening, lots been going on. Um, I think there's some exciting stuff that's come out of it, if we can say that. Um, and obviously, there's been a huge amount of challenges, but everybody's kind of working towards those common threads and common goals. Brilliant, Paul. Thanks. And Jordi, what are you hearing on the ground? Well, thank you, Derek, and uh, thanks for, for the time today. Uh, I think to complement uh, what Paul said, I, I think um, a few areas. If it comes to CIOs, for example, I think CIOs have earned a lot of capital uh, in taking organizations that might not have been prepared for what's happened with COVID and then moving everyone to work virtually all of a sudden. We've seen examples of customers that worked out of their buildings and then suddenly 70,000 people within the space of a few weeks are working remotely uh, and, and without having a negative impact on productivity. Mm -hmm. um, I also think that there's been a great drive towards uh, making the teams be more productive, getting more time to value, um, and in an overall recognition that digital is here to stay and that uh, this digital shift, uh, this digital paradigm has to be uh, front and center at board level um, because it is a great opportunity to, I guess we've accelerated 
accelerated the, the, the two or three years in the digital transition. And, and it's a great opportunity to take that forward and, and really um, embrace it and make work better for employees, make, make interactions better for their customers. That's really interesting. And uh, it, it was interesting to me that you both picked up on the point about CIOs and the IT department sort of having a capital within the enterprise now to sort of double down on going forward. Um, when you're talking to those CIOs and those IT departments, what are the key pain points they're identifying um, in terms of what needs to change going forward? I think the, the, the first one is um, the recognition that there needs to be change and that uh, a lot of the legacy uh, needs to somehow be not so much eliminated, but, but it needs to be leveraged in the most effective way because the one thing that they lack is actually not money. What they lack is time. Uh, and so, so making sure that they can embrace the, the old and then build new on top, find ways to leverage all those uh, investments that were, were made in the past uh, and, and at the same time accelerate towards the future. I think, I think that's one of the, the key areas. And, and secondly, again, the recognition that um, the startups, the competitors, they're starting without legacy. Uh, and 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 that's a huge advantage. But on the other hand, the value of the existing system, and especially the the data, the amount of data that exists, uh, needs to be leveraged. You can't just have data exhaust and just throw it out. But but use that for um, not only for efficiencies gain, uh, efficiency gains, but also to uh, as a competitive advantage. Uh, and so I think, again, it's it's crisis um brings about a great opportunity to to drive change and and to me that's that's a really positive thing for enterprises yeah you're right i think often people talk about legacy in a really negative way for obvious reasons when you're talking about agility and speed and all those things but i think you're right to pick up on the point that with legacy and um sort of history within an enterprise there's a lot of advantages too around uh knowledge and culture and as you say the data that can be taken advantage of it's just sort of figuring out how to take advantage of that in a modern digital enterprise um paul what are your thoughts on those pain points yeah, I think, you know, I kind of resonate with what Geordie's just said. And I think also the really important point that you've just mentioned, Derek, is is arguably this is not really just a technology conversation anymore. This is about mm -hmm. a culture and a people. You know, how do we approach this with the with people at the heart of everything, whether they're employees, whether they're customers? It doesn't matter. We've got to make sure that we have, you know, human centered design or human first approach it used to be it used to be digital first or mobile first we're actually he hearing human first. So whether that's, you know, human health and safety, return to work, making sure that they've got a safe place to work, or is that, are they got the right tools? You know, Geordie said that, that people are working from home. They went, you know, organizations went from tens or hundreds of offices to 10,000 offices, you know, with, with the work from home. So um, one of the things that we're really focusing on is obviously the technology that is in place. We've seen we've clearly seen some of those um, consolidations onto the strategic platforms, which is great. Um, mm. But it's really, this is our opportunity to automate all of that kind of mundane, repeatable work that people frankly don't want to do and don't like doing and is very error prone. And therefore you build up confidence with people. Fantastic. Mm. They then drive forward. They then think about different ways of working. They then help, you know, ultimately they're the, you know, they're the biggest, um, commodity you have in an organization and we need to leverage them more I think. 100% yeah it's been really interesting over the past few months how 
you know, a couple of years ago when I was talking to buyers and the enterprises, it was very rare the conversation around people was front and center. But now that is first and foremost what everyone's thinking about, which I think is great. Um, we will come back to the automation point later on because I think that's really important. But I'm very keen to hear from you both. ServiceNow CEO Bill McDermott talks about this workflow revolution a lot, and ServiceNow is positioning itself as the workflow company for the modern digital enterprise, which I think is really interesting. Um, but with so much complexity at the moment, and customers have got so much to think about, I was wondering if you could talk about what exactly that means for buyers in terms of how they should be thinking about workflow. What is a workflow when they're thinking about how to become more agile or more resilient? Um, yeah, I was just wondering if you could outline those a bit more. Shall we start with you, Paul? Yeah, absolutely, Derek. So um, I've been having lots of conversations around this, you know, with with um, all of the work that we're doing at ServiceNow. People kind of come to me and say, you know, but what does this really mean for us? What, 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 are, we, what are we able to achieve? So for me, this is, and the way we normally describe it and we talk to customers is, you know, you have processes across the business. And those processes are there for very good reason, for governance, for control, for audit maybe. Um, but one of the challenges that we've seen over the, you know, certainly the last three or four years, but it's been expedited with um, COVID last year is how do people follow those? How do we train people to do the right things? How do we ensure that they feel engaged while they're doing those things? So for me, it's around really streamlining the processes. And again, we'll talk about it later, but around automating as much as possible. But the other part of it is not just streamlining those processes, but actually integrating them. So integrating those strategic platforms and the activities that connect people with those systems, which means you don't need to go and approach it like a big bang approach where you deliver a whole new platform, a whole new system, and you've got to retrain your entire workforce. You can actually do it iteratively and constant. So that really then creates that kind of end-to-end um, kind of engagement that people want to use because it's frankly easier. But it also then means that processes and you know procedures can conform to what a business needs to run by. So I think there's kind of a it it, it potentially has got real um, you know real chance to to lock people into the business, but making sure that the business is then developing and thinking about the things that they need to at the same time. Yeah, and Jordi, I I often when people talk about workflow, I think the easiest way to think about it is it's just about the most effective way of getting work done, isn't it? And yes. I was just wondering if you could maybe dive into a bit more that, about that and sort of how that's aided by the integrations on the now platform. Yeah, I mean, the reality is that a workflow is just a set of activities to deliver an objective. It's that simple. I think what's happened actually is that um, organi organizations are uh, normally, they're, they're functionally orientated. And, and so naturally you create these functional silos but the reality is that a lot of the work is cross-function. Uh, and so mm -hmm. when you have to reach out between functions, it becomes really difficult because the data is sitting in one place or another, maybe because the, uh, the, um, the remit of an individual is limited to one area, so they don't have access to other, uh, other data, other information. Uh, and so what's happened is that over time, people have found ways to overcome those challenges. And in some cases by extracting data and then uh, having that perennial Excel spreadsheet trying to figure something out across the board or, or shuffling paper. Uh, and, and so I think with workflows, what we're trying to do is recognize that the systems that organizations have serve a purpose and 
usually the, the decisions to put those systems in place were the right ones at the right time. But obviously, technology has evolved. Systems need to become much more integrated so that there's a seamless approach and it's everything is a lot faster with better control. And what we provide is a means to connect all of those in a, in a simple way. Uh, and so I think you're moving from a very potentially very siloed approach and a very manual approach to a to an approach that makes more sense for the user, uh, both internally but also for the consumer or the or, or the customer. So. I think it's just a better way, but it is not about just automating something that is poorly done, just doing it faster. It, it is about really thinking through, is this the right way to do it? Yeah, and that makes sense. And again, I mean, part of this this is technology, but so much of, that, of it is sort of enterprises having to reimagine what it could be possible, isn't it? And I think often oh, people, which is why we get startups coming in and disrupting things, because they just thought differently about it. Um, do you find when you're talking to customers that, that that change of mindset can be tricky, or is that something that's um, becoming easier as things go forward? I, I was talking to a CIO about a half an hour ago, and, um, and we were talking exactly about the same topic. And as we got into it, he kind of clicked on him and said, wait a minute, I have all this middleware that is old and expensive to maintain. And my question to him was, well, have you really thought about what you're trying to do here? And mm. the reality is that he hadn't. Uh, it, it was just, we don't have time. We're trying to move fast. So let's just kind of get the next version on and move on. And I said, well, if you just pause for a second and we spend some time really thinking this through, you might be able to define a more efficient process, which means that your employees are happier. You have more employee engagement. And, and actually, it's lower cost because eventually you end up in a different, in a, in a different paradigm of, of productivity. And it doesn't mean, as Paul very well said, it does not mean an overhaul of everything you have, because the reality is, when are you going to find the time to actually mm -hmm. drive that change? Yeah, definitely. Paul, sorry, what were you going to say? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll add to that, because I think there's some really interesting, you know, being being a former customer of ServiceNow myself, I know how difficult it is to change minds. But actually, when you show people that there's a different way, you show people that there's a new way, and that way is fundamentally simpler easier and more connected it's pretty hard for humans to go no 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 we want to keep going the old way mm -hmm. um, and i think if you know it's, it's it's our job as leaders to not only talk about it but allow our customers to talk about it and that's something that i love being in the chief innovation office is we've got a huge opportunity to tell real stories you know there are bumps in the road but those bumps in the road we can see them we, we know where they are we know when they're coming and we can avoid them um, and it's really great to be able to share those stories and, and allow people to learn from that and really see where they can go in the future themselves. Yeah, absolutely. We've only got a couple more minutes, but I thought it would be a really good idea to hear from you both. When companies are thinking about this opportunity around workflow and perhaps are struggling to get to grips with um, getting to that opportunity, what advice would you give around um, tips for getting that strategy in place? What are the key things they should be thinking about? Having these conversations on a fairly regular basis, one of the things that we often get down talking about pretty quickly is, is this transformation. It's not just a digital transformation. Often this includes organizational transformation or you know operational change. So it's really a fundamental shift to what they're doing. But I think it really boils down to organizations, number one, aligning, you know, Geordie talked about it before, about having a real purpose defining what your business goals and objectives are and, and trying to achieve those. But to do that, you need great visibility of your estate. 
you need transparency in what you're doing, both internally, so internally facing, so all of your employees know why you're changing, what you're doing. Um, mm -hmm. And of course, you need a huge amount of trustworthy data to do that. And I think most organizations have those items. It's bringing them together. It's putting them together um, and deploying it in a kind of a cohesive way. Absolutely. Jordi, any final thoughts? Yes, I mean, I, I, think, I think creating that vision creating that aspiration and galvanizing the organization behind it. You know, if you were a startup, will you really build it the way you have it? Uh, and I suspect the answer sometimes is no. And so if mm -hmm. everyone buys into the change, then there will be less organizational resistance to drive that change. Uh, and so uh, to me, it's 70% is people, 30% is technology. Uh, and when people really are on board and they want to drive the change, then there's no reason why you wouldn't accelerate that transformation. Brilliant. Jordi, Paul, thanks so much. Thanks Thank you very much, guys. And if you are listening and you enjoyed that chat, please join in for chapter two, where we talk about the future of work. Thank you.